Welcome to Manowaker Studios Flash Fiction Podcast. I'm CB Derogi. This week, The Book of Spells by Maggie Nurzirabarne. Every Halloween night, Mrs. Vera Lane dressed up as a witch and opened her door to the neighborhood, displaying her collection of vintage costumes for everyone and anyone to see. All throughout her living and dining rooms, she arranged crepe paper zombie faces, spooky wax masks, a moth-eaten clown suit, a devil's cape, a bunch of craggy witches' hats, and dozens of other old costumes. Her display, an annual pop-up museum, attracted hundreds of children and adults each year. Kind Mrs. Lane, the Queen of Halloween, reigned also as the Queen of the Neighborhood. I was thirteen, the Halloween Vera's Museum closed for good. First, rain. The deluge waited until mid-trick-or-treat, extinguishing every lit pumpkin, driving everyone inside, candy buckets empty. The news came the next day. Vera died in her sleep. That was the first really bad, unexpected, unexplained thing, the thing that kicked off a cascade of other bad things in the neighborhood. There were lost jobs, one divorce, a stroke, and countless smaller occurrences. Gossip and fighting erupted amongst normally peaceful neighbors. It wasn't like bad things hadn't happened before, just not so many at once. Worst of all, at least for me, my mom got sick, She woke up one day saying she felt draggy, but I could tell it was more than that. Her face looked sallow as she gripped the edge of the counter, not bothering with her usual cup of coffee. The laughter rang in my ears constantly. They called themselves the Witches of Wharton Street. It had been a joke before, the three friends assuming that nickname, but after Vera died, the three haggard women met each night in the cold, laughing echoey. Murmury cackles around a roaring fire pit in front of Corey Beecher's house. Mom knew them all from high school. She greeted them politely at neighborhood events, but said they were not the brightest bulbs, which was about the meanest thing Mom ever said about anyone. Now, all they did was laugh. After Mom got sick, I took frequent walks around the neighborhood, bundling up without plan or purpose. I continually ran into Dodie Masterson, a shy girl my age whom I almost never saw, who barely spoke to anyone. In this weird post-Vera time, I saw Dottie every day. If I was walking, she'd pass me. If I sat on my front step, she'd suddenly appear on her front step. The night Mom didn't come down for dinner, I shut my front door behind me, and there she was, Dodie, standing on her front lawn facing our houses. Hands pushed up in her ski jacket pockets, hair hanging in her face. What are you doing out here? I said. Why is the sky so dull and gray all the time? She asked back. During the day there's no sun, and at night there's no stars. Because it's winter? I said. It's technically not winter yet, and the sun often does shine in the winter, and there are always stars, she said. She pointed up past the clouds above our head to a patch of sky above where the witches of Wharton gathered. 
There, the darkness gleamed clear with constellations. Do you hear the laughter? I said weakly. All the time, Doty replied. Doty and I knew Vera Lane would be the only person who could shed some light on the downward spiral in our neighborhood. So in her absence, we went to question her husband. When she died, it's like she took all the good in the world with her. I just can't seem to... He said, slouched in his recliner by a window. I know, Mr. Lane, I know, I said. I'm sorry, kids, he said. Was there something you needed? We came to say we notice it, too. Ever since Mrs. Lane died, everything's changed. Doty piped in, listing the litany of bad mojo that had swept the neighborhood, ending with my mom's illness. Mr. Lane held up a finger, as if to say just a minute, and left the room. When he returned, he handed me a slim volume. I ran my fingers along the book's spine, noting its age and wear and tear. Spells for every occasion. Vera kept this on her bedside table, and read these things out loud every night of our marriage. He went to his chair and fell into the cushions with a grunt. She had all the faith. What little I had went with her. Keep the book. I won't use it, he said, handing the tattered book over to me. A few nights later, Dodie and I came out of our houses, drawn out by the witch's laughter. We walked to Wharton, found a place in the hedges with a good view, and hid there, listening closely to the simmering sounds. Words mixed into the hysterics, all of it unintelligible, garbled together. Walking home, I told Dodie how I said the spells out loud each night before bed. They're kind of nice, sort of simple. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more. Dodie broke in. And nothing but happiness come through your door. How do you know it? I don't know. I just do. I don't like them. I don't believe in them. But I know them. All of them she said. I began to recite with her, the words just coming to me. May you extend compassion to all that hurts within your body, mind, and spirit. May you be patient. Weird, Doty said. Right, I said. The last bad thing to happen was the microburst. For Doty and me, the witch's laughter became unbearable. High winds and slashing rain rose out of nowhere, breaking apart the solid white sky. Houses shuddered, garbage cans and recycling bins skidded across the street, mailboxes shot off their posts, doors to sheds and garages blew open, whacking and thudding against their structures. The electricity snapped off, leaving houses cold and dark, morning coffee makers quiet and useless. The silence that followed was itself disturbing, soon cut by the whines of incoming emergency vehicles. The next morning, I walked around the house, cranking a hand-powered radio to get the news. Apparently, the whole world around our neighborhood was just fine. I spied from my front windows and caught Dodie out in her driveway, kneeling next to her dog, prone on the blacktop. I ran outside. He was everything to me, she choked. 
I put both hands on her shoulders and said, Well, now you have me. I get along best with animals, Dodie said. I had no answer for that, so I said, Come on, let's go see what the witches are up to. On Wharton, there were no sticks or trees down. All three of the witches' houses seemed okay. A porch light on, smoke whirling up from a chimney, each home humming with electricity. A patch of blue sky overhead allowed the sun to bathe the small section of street with warmth and light. Well, I'm sure glad they're happy, Dodie shouted. She wiped snot along her sleeve without care. Then she took a deep breath and screamed, May we be blessed with good health, happiness, success, and abundance. May our homes be sacred dwellings for us and our children. May those who visit us feel peace and love. We decree that these homes be shielded from harm, illness, or misfortune. A lone sparrow flew to a witch's roof and sat there, flapping its wings and screeching. I joined Dodie, yelling out Mrs. Lane's spells, feeling the force of them, the strength of our voices connected in rage. The porch light clicked off, and the houses fell silent. I released the air bubble I'd unknowingly been holding in my chest. The blue sky above the witches' houses spread like spilled paint, taking over the vast whiteness. Dodie and I hung on to each other in the driveway. The sparrow took off. Later that day, Mom came downstairs dressed in real clothes, not pajamas and robe. She always told her recovery story like it was a miracle. But Dodie and I knew better. This has been The Book of Spells, written by Maggie Nurs Irabarne. Manowaker Studios Flash Fiction Podcast is supported by patrons on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash manowaker to find out more. The Flash Fiction Podcast theme song is by Kevin McLeod. Manowaker Studios Director of Dice is Ben Baston. The podcast is produced edited, and narrated by me, C.B. Drogi. Thanks for listening.